0: what's up everybody welcome back to rock hound radio the segment where we talk about dungeons and dragons known as the couch in the dungeon last week we talked about some adventure books and i promised you guys that i was going to be a little bit more on my game this week so uh here we are and this week we're going to be talking about some homebrew uh we're going to be talking about maybe how to try starting your build your own world Uh, Some things that I learned, some videos that I watched, and uh, hopefully, if you guys are making your own homebrew, this will make it a little easier on you. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into this week's episode. (coughs) Alright, so talking about uh, some different homebrew, um, building your own world, one of the biggest things you're going to want to decide maybe not before you get started but right after you get started is what is the scale of your adventure or your world are you just wanting a little one shot you're not going to need a lot of details outside of you know what's think of almost like a tunnel you know you're not going to need a whole lot of doors off to the side um or is it going to be a big open world where it's like Skyrim, you get dropped in, and you're like, alright, well, the main quest is over here, but you can go wherever. Um, so, the first thing I did was, I decided, well, I watched a bunch of videos, is the first thing that I did. I started watching every world building tip, trick, video, beginners, advanced that I could find... And, I mean, there were, there was a lot of information. I went to a lot of places to get a lot of that information, so maybe I can condense some of it down and you guys will get it here. Uh, one of the big things that I, wanted, I did was I just tried to decide, alright, how big do I want this world to be? And then I said, I want it to be huge. So I said, it's a planet, twice the size of Earth, and then there's four moons in each planet. Moon is about the size of the planet Earth, and then each moon has its own, you know, its full own environment, so suddenly now I didn't have one world, but now I got five, but this gives me a lot of play of, a lot of one shots can take place wherever, I can come up with you know, it's it's just there. Whatever, whatever I want to come up with, I can throw it in somewhere. You know, if it's just a little side quest, I can come up for a reason why they need to go there, whatever. Uh, so once I decided that, I was like, all right, well now I need governments and empires and republics for all of these land masses. Because the first thing I did was I laid out. I bought a uh, it's like a twenty by thirty. Uh, notebook pad, and it's, I mean, it's, you know, like one of the huge sketchbooks, and I drew out this big, huge, elaborate, all these big continents, and I was like, I have to put continent, I have to have cultures, and peoples, and whatever, and I started working on that, and then I thought, this is insane, I'm never gonna get anything done, so I picked one continent, and I was like, alright, you're gonna focus on this one continent, You're going to come up with the governments, Uh, you're going to come up with where the territories lie, I drew some rivers in, I put some more details in, the map, and then uh, next thing you know I had an empire, and then I had a republic, and I had a kingdom, and then I had like a prairie land that's like all just a bunch of series of random different clans. And then I started coming up with all these details for them. And granted, I'm documenting everything. So I'm writing everything down. And then I'm at work and I'm thinking about everything all day in my head. And I come home and I go to sit down and I can't remember a single thing I thought about all day at work. (sighs) So be prepared. If you're really going to start a good homebrew, it's going to take up a lot of like your free time where you normally just find yourself kind of your mind's just drifting off wandering you're going to be wandering and drifting off thinking about all the different things in your D campaign and then when you get the time to sit down and write it you're going to have all those great ideas and you're not going to remember a single one of them so be prepared now granted mind you when i started this world building i really didn't know what my story was going to be or where my story was going to go i just knew that uh it was going to involve this Keltos Empire, was going to be the bad guys, not really the bad guys, but they were going to be, you know, for all intents and purposes, they were going to be the bad guys. And then, um, you know, I had this other kingdom that was kind of going to be like this super powerful that kind of like kept them in check then I had these other republic that was kind of allied with the kingdom. And then I had the other ones that were kind of like split on whether what side they should ally with. And all of this, like I was building all of these politics and I was coming up with everything. And I'm trying to, I'm taking notes on my phone and then I'm copying the notes over into my notebook. And then I went from using a notebook to copying everything onto my computer. And, uh. I started this homebrew back in like 2019, and I have been slowly building on it. Well, even now, I actually just updated everything last night. Um, so if if, if for any of my dungeon masters out there that are going to be working on some homebrew, be prepared. One, like once you get started, that bug will get you, and then everything is. You'll read a book, and you'll be like, "How can I put this story?" In my Dungeons and Dragons campaign. In a way that makes sense. And then you'll start looking at like. Okay I can take this. And I can do this. And I can do this. Like Supernatural. I watched a lot of Supernatural. And I was like. Oh man. How do I get like. Demons. And this and that. And so. And then I came up. I started building a campaign. I was like. Alright. Well here's. <sighs> the end game. Is going to be this super powerful demon. Had came through. Once before. Uh, kind of like, end of the world thing happened, he got sealed away, and then now here, thousands of years later, those seals are starting to weaken, and uh, he's tricked, and created, he's communicated with this group of people, and essentially started a fanatical cult, and, and then that cult grew into the Empire, and so the empire thinks that they're trying to support a god, but they're actually supporting a demon. So they've been tricked all along, and they've been doing all these things, and then they're fighting, and it's just uh, <clears throat> pretty crazy. And then when our my players get in, you know, they'll actually have a sway on whether or not this god, this demon by the end of the campaign they'll pretty much decide if he gets the seals broken and gets released or if they're able to stop it so i haven't written the second part of the campaign like what happens after that because we haven't played that far so i really don't know which way the story would go because i want the continuation of the story to be Whatever it was that my players did to get it there. I just don't want to be like, alright. Or I don't want to have to jump far enough ahead into the timeline to be like, alright, well, somebody else came along and fixed your guys' mistake and then here we are. And all these start to really factor in and you don't expect it when you start your homebrew. So you're... I know it sounds like I'm rambling, but that's just the thought. That's how my thought process went with homebrew. Like, I started with a small detail, and then suddenly, I'm way over here in left field, looking straight up into the sun, like, uh. So, um, you'll want to take it, you, you want to take making your homebrew with a mixture of large details and small details. So, you'll want to have. The big continent, and you'll want to have your big empires, and all your your government laid out, and then you'll want to start building the little things in your towns and cities. Like, maybe there's a couple of NPCs that are prominent shopkeepers that you will want your players to be going to, so you'll start building those, and then you'll start building, like, maybe there's some little landmarks and stuff that'll play a part, and you'll start maybe taking your map and start laying out roads trying to make sense how everything connects and then you're definitely going to want to figure out your travel scale now a lot of your maps use uh one square equals like 24 miles 24 or 25 miles because that's on the average what you can travel in a day in d d at a normal pace or uh, and then of course you got carriages and horses and things like that so Uh, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about, uh, what I did was, since each of my squares was one inch, I drew my world map, and then on my world map, I said, each square is worth 25, is worth 500 miles, so it would take X amount of days to travel on foot, it takes X amount of days on a horse, X amount of days with a carriage, And then X amount of days with an airship, which an airship is like a flying ship. (coughs) And then X amount of days with different ships, which each ship has its speed listed in its stat block. I just made stats up for on foot, horses, carriages, and airships because I wanted it to be easy math for me. Uh, And, you know, you can break that down however you want at the end of the day. So what I did, like I said, what I did was uh, I broke those all down. So each 500 miles, and then I I laid out and I counted how many squares were inside of my continent. Then I multiplied that by 500 to get my total miles, and then I drew out my new map, which was just that one specific continent, and then I counted all the squares in it. <laughs> And then I took the number I multiplied by and divided it by the total number of squares. And then that gave me how many miles each individual square was on my separate map so that I could adjust my time scale. Because, I mean, obviously I didn't want to keep the time scale of 500 miles per square. It equaled out to like 180, like 187 or something. So, you know, if you're traveling... 25 miles a day, you know that you can travel, uh, four or five, you know how how far you'd be able to travel, and however many days, and whatever, yada yada yada, that kind of thing, um, so we are going to go to break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about maybe creating some different, uh, some different gods, or, uh, some different npcs things like that try to make things memorable for uh your homebrew all right so we got our travel figured out now let's say on your map you want to lay out some villages you know you don't want it to just be hundreds of miles of empty space in between your major cities uh you don't have to go through and map out every village what i did was in a uh like a general thing that I read to my players is I said that about every hundred miles you'll come across a small barracks station. That'll probably consist of about 25 to 30 guards. And then about every 50 to 75 miles, you'll come across a little collections of it'll be like two or three homes where it's like maybe one or two, three families are uh, living somewhere and relatively proximity together for safety throughout the road in between villages and then of course you'll encounter patrols and trade wagons and other people traveling just to kind of spice up and add some fluff Uh, but when you're mapping out your villages I mean so my key villages that I use I do take like just a regular piece of notebook paper and I sketch out like a little village and I'll put in the village on my map I'll mark out like what each building is so this is the tavern here's the ta- like here's the, here's the tavern with it's name here's the potion shop with it's name here's the blacksmith with it's name and then I just hand that to my players and I'm like alright well you're here you're here in this little village uh, you spent the day wandering through the village so here's a map this shows where everything's at you know where it's at so if you want to go somewhere only thing you have to do is say hey i want to go to the potion shop hey i want to go talk to the armor smith hey i want to go talk to the guy that's got running the pawn shop or the general goods store whatever And then, you know, the only thing they have to do is look at the map. And then you don't have to... They don't have to ask. And they don't have to be like, oh, well... So, you can do that for maybe not every village or city. But definitely, like, the major ones you know you're going to be spending a lot of time in. It's kind of nice to just (coughs) throw that at them. And then, because occasionally I like to throw things on there. Like, my players will... We'll be in a village or whatever, or in a, especially in my bigger towns and cities. Uh, things change, so they'll leave, come back, and it'll be you know, like six, seven months later. Maybe I've put a new little shop on the map and throw the map back at them. Or I race one and change it or something, you know. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, what happened? What is this? Well, we just walked down the street and we seen a new place. We got to go see what it is. Uh, those are reactions that I've I've elicited from players. So, I mean, and that's why I love DM and is pulling those reactions from the players. I mean, you see somebody get so excited because of over small things. It's just, I love it. Um, I think we're getting a little off topic. So, uh, you know, you can use those maps. Now, like I said, not every city needs it. Uh, I've done it for the major ones where we, we're gonna be posted up for two or three sessions just so that it's like a reminder, you know, it's quick, it's easy, they can pass it around the table, I try to give all my players a, uh, like a little book, you know, it's like a sheet protector with like six or eight pages in it of just, uh, Different information, not information that they need to know all at once, but it's like information that while we're playing, if we roll up somewhere, they can pull out a piece and they can be like, alright, we're going here, uh, I've been here before, because what I try to do is, when we first started the campaign, was my, I was like, alright, well, here's what I've looked at all my players' backstories and all that, and I was like, alright, I built each... Packet to be like specific to the player. So if I had a city that one player had been in more than the other, because they specifically stated it, I gave them a list of all the like major NPCs or all the major stores or some of the like major locations, and then they would know. And they could like guide everybody. They'd be like, "All right, well, I know how to get over to Gilbert's Potions. Come on, just follow me." Um, now as I said uh, when I I've built some pretty remarkable PCs I guess I didn't say it I was going to talk about uh, I, as I said we were going to talk about putting in some gods or some NPCs I have a his name is jowls he is an aracocra the, uh, you know the kind of big winged bird Ooh man looking thing, and, um, <coughs> anyway, his name's Jows and he, I can't, I can't remember his voice, I think it's, um, hello, oh no, that's not it, it's, how, how are you today, what can, what can I do for you, I, does not, that's an NPC, but that's not Jaws. But Giles has become a uh, favorite NPC to a couple of my players, and they they really love going and seeing him. He he runs like a pawn shop, like a used magic item, save, steel, and uh he gives good deals. So they like going to seeing him, and they like don't bartering back and forth with him, and. I've actually had players, uh, sit at the table and be like, listen, if you steal from him, I will kill you, to another player, and they're like, oh shit, this is serious, so, um, that's pretty wild, and then, so, you, it's just the weird NPCs that stick with people that you don't think that they'd get, like, super attached to, and then they do. Um, talking about trying to build some gods, maybe. Uh, so, as I said, my planet has four moons. So, I modeled each moon after a god, and then each god's modeled after a different element. They don't really uh, interact with the world much. I mean, they're there, they they do subtle but it, they're, it's never like a direct influence. And that's more of just like a choice than a rule. They're just kind of. They don't really care. Like as long as it's not affecting them. They just. They don't care. You know you might be able to ask the gods for help. And they'll answer. And they'll help. But it's not. It's not like you're as important to them. As you think that you are. It's kind of a. kind of a weird thing I haven't gotten to explore it much I do have a couple of characters that are like paladins and uh clerics so when they do I very much look forward to uh exploring into that and just seeing how deep that could really go but yeah just to just a quick uh recap to get back on uh so once you got your scale decided you're gonna want to Put in, like I said, it's a mixture of large and small details, especially. And the, the more you put in, the more your players are going to feel like the world is there. Now you don't have to go so deep as like you know you bisect it and there's layers and layers and layers, but you definitely you don't want everything to be super deep and then there's some things that you're just going to want to throw like it's like throwing a sheet over you know it's like it's there we can see it but we don't really need to ask about it yet and don't be afraid like if your players are not heading in a direction that you want them to go and there's don't be afraid if if it's something that you haven't yet introduced yet to change its location because, I mean, you could always, like, change something and move it to the direction, whether it be a castle or a boss or an enemy, whatever. I mean, some some dungeon masters get... It's like they're writing a book, and then the players have to follow the book. And then... It, yeah, it, it's a book, but it's a choose-your-own-adventure book, you know? So, like, the players can be like, "Well, I'm going to flip to page 57 instead of 48... And uh sometimes you just got to pull a little trickery behind the cloth and be like, all right, well, you flip to page 57, but it's the same result as page 48 because that's what we really need to do. And you just don't tell them. I mean, you just kind of flip it in through as long as your players are having fun. Just don't be... Don't get so set into stone on like this is something that needs to happen and it has to happen this specific way. If you can try to like just change it, modify it a little bit. And I know some Dungeon Masters, we put a lot of time in. Like I said, I've been working on this campaign since 2019. And honestly, my players have only made it to... Wow, not even like the end of part one which has some interesting mechanics that I introduced in that I, I've been waiting to play and test out and I might get to play test it one of these years maybe not it's hard to say um wow this was kind of an incoherent episode we kind of just ran all over the place I talked a lot a lot about uh, my homebrew specifically so maybe this will be like a part two episode and uh next week we'll get try to stay and get back on the topic of just talking about uh some tips to get your homebrew world built up hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode let us know in the comments uh you can find rockhound radio on anywhere there's a podcast And this is your Dungeon Master signing off.